This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ah, yes, yes, yes. A good Thursday morning to one and all. It is Taz and the Moose with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. As we come to you live from the Rocky Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Home is more than a house. It is a uh, it's a personal paradise. Get yours with Rocket Mortgage. Push button. Get mortgage. It is Taz the Moose with you right here on this Thursday morning on CBS Sports Radio. Mike Pete, job well done. Early then uh, for across the way other side at the controls as we take it right up until 9 a.m. Eastern time. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. Attention hotline fans. That is your number to call. Taz is off once again here on this Thursday morning. Bogus sitting with me. He's got updates as well. What's going on, Bogus? Moose. How you doing, buddy? Good morning. And well, one more day without our esteemed... Taz. Yes, yes. He'll be back with us tomorrow for Big Football Friday. Yes. So we've got a good show on tap for you uh, as uh, we roll along. Uh, Ryan Wilson will join us coming up in hour number two. So look forward to uh, that football conversation. So a lot to get into over the course of the next three hours, Andrew. And uh, let's get to it in terms of really kind of a a quiet night when you look at the sport across the sports landscape last night. With the Yankee game um, and Astros game four of the American League Championship Series, as we talked about yesterday, getting rained out. Uh, everyone thought it was going to get rained out. Rob Manfred in Major League Baseball did a great job in terms of canceling this game early. You know, before we hit the noon Eastern time hour uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, this game was already off the slate um, and it got canceled. And I, I think that's a good job by Major League Baseball. Why push it? Why put people in the ballpark? Uh, you know, Yankee brass were taking, telling personnel to be, make sure that you're available and ready to be there at the ballpark on Friday evening. Uh, game five is now Friday, uh, shortly after seven o'clock Eastern time game four, shortly after eight o'clock tonight, eight Oh eight Eastern time is going to be first pitch and, and major league baseball got it right. You know, you see in the regular season, sometimes teams push the envelope, um, especially if it's a team coming in the building for the only time of the year to where they'll see if they can possibly squeeze the game in. Uh, they didn't, you know, there was really no opportunity. I mean, when it started raining in the tri-state area yesterday, right around, I would say, 3 o'clock Eastern time, give or take, wherever you might have lived in the tri-state area, right around that time, it didn't let up till basically right around 11.30 midnight last night. Yeah, it was not a pretty day. And then, and now today we wake up and the rain has stopped, but... There is insane wind in the area and all the way up into New England for the rest of today um, and worse out east from where we are here in New York City, the end of Long Island, like the Cape Cod area up in Massachusetts. So now they're supposed to that wind's supposed to die down as the day progresses, but still be significant when we get the first pitch tonight. So we're going to play tonight. We're going to get this series back on the field. We're going to see how this all plays out with the reshuffling of the starting pitching and the possibility of four games in four days in two cities with a relatively quick turnaround from Friday night to Saturday night from New York to Houston. But this game gets played tonight and the wind, you know, is going to be a, is going to be a factor tonight. 
There's, it's going to be, it's going to make it feel colder. It might affect a ball or two in the air. I don't know where it's going to be blowing in from or out of at Yankee Stadium. Um, you know, the specifics of whether nothing's going to leave the yard or more things will leave the yard than usual. But Mother Nature is not yet done with um, affecting the ALCS. No, it's just not going to be. The wind's going to be a factor, but rain will not. So, right. I mean, the, the game will get going. It's just going to be windy conditions out in the Bronx. Um, and we'll see how exactly that affects both starting pitchers. As you saw, both teams really adjust their starting staff in order to, to make use of the day off. As, you know, the Yankees will go with Tanaka and Paxton in Game 4 and Game 5. Uh, tonight and tomorrow night, the... Uh, Houston Astros will counter with Zach Greinke, and then they will come back with Justin Verlander uh, in Game 5 on Friday night at Yankee Stadium. And, you know, you could debate in terms of, all right, uh, who does this really affect? I mean, who does it help a little bit more, or who does it hurt a little bit more? I mean, you know, the Yankees, I think, for I have a chance to win this series, have got to go back to Houston up three games to two. Um, you know, even as good as their bullpen has been, uh, aside from Adam Adovino, um, you know, there, I do think the fact that you're rolling with Tanaka, who's got a career under two OERA in the postseason, and then coming back with Paxton at home, that gives the Yankees the best opportunity to be up uh, three games to two going back to Houston. Now, with that being said, you look at the Astros, I don't know exactly what I'm going to get from Zach Greinke tonight. Right. Uh, however, um, if I'm going to hit Masahiro Tanaka, you know, even though his ERA was drastically better at home as compared to on the road, and he's coming off a performance in game one of this series after 68 pitches, you know, he was quote-unquote taxed uh, and came out of the game. Um, I do think that the the bats for the Astros maybe have a better chance of supporting Zach Greinke tonight, uh, even with Tanaka on the mound as compared to at home. And then you come back with Verlander and... What it shows me is A.J. Hinch is trying to go for the jugular and go for the throat and have Verlander on the mound on Friday night to make sure that you definitively have a better shot because they obviously have the advantage there with Verlander on the mound going up against James Paxton in Game 5 to make sure you're back at home up three games to two. Yeah, we, we've spent a lot of time in the last two days because this, this weather was not a surprise. And for basically since Tuesday, we didn't expect there to be a game last night. So this is, you know, we've been planning for it. They've been planning for it. Um, I've been fascinated by by this pitching rotation and shifting because what's been looming for both of these teams is a lack of a fourth starter. So both of them were planning on using you know, starting with a bullpen guy when one of the games here. So I've been talking to you about it, guys in our newsroom, people via text when I'm not even here, just trying to gauge where everybody's going on this because none of us are Aaron Boone or AJ Hinch. No, and. What, what what I ended up figuring out and the conclusion I get to, Moose, is that we were, I was at least way overthinking this because you can't, what I was thinking about is like, if I've got to do a bullpen game, you know, where, if I'm the Astros or the Yankees, where do I want it to, do I want it to be at home or away? Do I want to be down in the series, up in the series? So I'm kind of like working backwards with the bullpen game. And that's just not the way, all you can do is plan for the next game. So I think the initial benefit from the rain out last night is that the Yankees down 2-1 can start Tanaka today. Because if they had played last night as scheduled, 
It would have been a bullpen that game. That would have been their bullpen game down to one. And it might have worked out, but like it just you're you're asking for trouble in my mind. Or the door it's just a different setup when you're beginning with Chad Green and then hoping somebody after him can give you a little length and whatever it may be. It's just not the position, not the way I'd want to attack a game four down to one in the ALCS. So they get that advantage. Now we're moving past game four, and all you can do is then try and win the next game. So it, it, at, at face value, it makes sense to me for the Yankees if they, if they have to do a bullpen game to do it in their building, but they can't do it in Game Five because either they have a chance to put the Astro, you know, to go up three-two, or to extend. They need to, they need to win to extend the series. So here we are with it's Granky Verlander, it's Tanaka Paxton, and if they need to do the bullpen game, they'll figure that out in Houston and go from there. But right now, you've got to give your your guys the best chance to win the very next game. So there's no other choice but to go with Tanaka Granke and then Verlander Paxton. Yeah, I mean, and then the interesting thing then would be if the Yankees are ever down three games to two, what do you do game six Saturday night? Yeah, I mean, I mean then and then, but then you have to back, eat it and you well, got to do it. Well, I know, and then you've got no other choice because I don't think you can roll back Severino after the highly taxed outing that he had on short rest. I mean, I, I do think that if the Astros are down three games to two, I think A.J. Hinch would probably give it serious consideration about Garrett Cole in a in a game six to try and make sure that you get to a game seven yeah. uh, down in Houston, which I don't know. I think that might play to the Yankees' favor because Garrett Cole didn't exactly look sharp in his last go-around, uh, even though the velocity was there. He did finish strong. Uh, he did finish his strong. His two best innings were his last two. Right, but he was he was a guy that had a you know season-high amount of walks. I mean, yeah. five walks. Second and was in his career, yeah. five walks. I mean, so, uh, you know, you look at, you know, I think that would probably play to the Yankees' favor if they should happen to be up three games to two and win the next two nights. But, I mean, we're putting the cart before the horse. When you look at the matchup tonight, I mean, I think a lot of people would be surprised if this series is not knotted up at two games apiece, especially when you look at the pitching matchup, because Tanaka is the proven postseason commodity. His home ERA was, I think, a three. His road ERA was a six. He's already pitched stellar, yeah. uh, you know, in a in a you know ho hum you know easy victory in Game One of this series, and he was spectacular um, when he was on the mound. I, I I think a lot of people are expecting the Yankees, uh, you know, to at least even up this series, and then that will put in the laps of Paxton and Verlander. Uh, game five Friday night to see exactly who has the advantage going back down to Houston. Tanaka has been good in the playoffs period. He's been good against the Astros. He was good in Houston. Now he's back where, as you said, he, he normally pitches better. The thing that stands out to me about this game tonight, and it connects to the struggles of Adam Adovino, and again, you know, what's going to happen after today, because we've got at least two more games and probably three and maybe even four in four days. And you can't necessarily, again, plan too far into the future but you've got Tanaka tonight, who is now, I mean, he's he's your ace at, yep. at this point. And, and whether it's, and in particular in the postseason, the way everyone's going right now, he's the one you count on the most. What looms for him, though, and the way that they seem to manage him is that the third, and this is true for a lot of guys, the third time through an order is when he starts to struggle. I think the average jumps to like 309 or 307. So they seem to want to protect him from that. But I think now... They're at the stage, knowing how the other guys are pitching, what the calendar for this series now looks like. I think if everything's going well here, Moose, I think Aaron Boone has to at least try to ignore that overall history of a third trip through for Tanaka. If he gets to the seventh inning and they're winning and he's the pitch count's not an issue, I think he's got to try and get him again through 
that seventh inning into the eighth. He's got to go as long as he I can go and not default back to, okay, that's two times through. That's six good innings. Even though I can trust Canely and Britton and Chapman to get it done, I still want to see if I can get him a day of rest. bullets from them and get three or four more outs from right, him. Right, because you're probably, I mean, at some point down in Houston, you're going to need all those guys to get yourself through a game without a well, you know, and, defined starting pitcher. And is he going to pull Paxton in the second or third inning well, again on Friday? Well, you can't be doing Friday? that. Right. Well, and Paxton's also got to be better. True. I mean, you know, people want to, and, and Granky's not a great, uh, you know, October pitcher, and clearly he doesn't throw at the same velocity that he once did. But, uh, you know, James Paxton was brought to the Yankees and acquired from the Seattle Mariners to kind of be that, uh, you know, 1-1-A guy with Masahiro Tanaka that can, you know, be a dominant starter. Filthy stuff, as Mike Trout would say, um, you know, in reference to Paxton. And he's been terrible. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I can't applaud him for giving me four-plus innings against the Minnesota Twins. And the last time outing against the Houston Astros, he got seven outs. I mean, it's just not good enough. You're You're exactly right. They need a little bit more length. And, you know, especially with this, you know, with them moving forward, should they ever get past the Astros? I mean, it's it's one thing. I mean, that's going to be a long series against the Nats. I mean, the Nats are, unless they completely lose the edge with a week off, that rotation for the Washington Nationals has been too good to think that they're all of a sudden, you know, going to roll over and die to steal a Vegas term. They are going to be a live dog in that World Series based on their approach up at the plate offensively. The fact that they are playing with an unbelievable amount of confidence right now and they've got dominant starting pitching in Strasburg and Scherzer and Patrick Corbin and the throw in Annabelle Sanchez, who almost threw a no-hitter game one of the NLCS. So, I mean, for the Yankees, you're right. It's interesting to see, and I totally agree with you. Tanaka has got to give you length, and the one thing that would help out that would be the Yankees' bats coming alive here uh, and scoring some runs and putting up four or five runs against Zach Greinke to where it's not a one- or two-run game to where then you have Sky starting to warm up uh, you know, in the fifth or sixth inning, bogus. When if Tanaka, if and when Tanaka does get into a little bit of trouble, yeah, I mean, and that's the flip side from the Astros' perspective is they need Zach Greinke to be Zach Greinke. I, you know, I want to give him a pass for, and I, it just it it sounds like an excuse, but sometimes certain locations and certain opponents don't line up for guys correctly. He doesn't fare well against the Rays. He doesn't pitch well in their building. So his his game one, it was his first start in the in the previous round. You know, I, I wanted to give him a pass on that. Then he wasn't as good as he needed to be in game one of this series. They need him to be Zach Granke tonight. There's no two ways about it. For all the things you just laid out from the Yankee perspective, he cannot let them get in a position where there is extra leash for Tanaka. And they're behind early. Exactly what the Astros did in game three, Granke can't let the Yankees do tonight in game four. He's got to be sharp deep into this game because then we're back to the conversation where their bullpen in theory, is not as good as the Yankee bullpen, although it has matched them so far in this series. Maybe not in raw numbers, but certainly in in impact of getting the job done for them. So he's got to be as close to regular Zach Granke as he can be. Um, And again, I don't know exactly how the wind and the temperature might affect either one of them pitching tonight, um, but it it might not do either one of them any favors. But that that remains to be seen. You're right, and we'll find out later on tonight. I will say this, though. you know, for Major League Baseball, and uh, tonight you've got a football game between the Broncos and the Chiefs, in which Joe Buck is going to be doing the football game. Yeah, is, and is Joe that new? Da- and Joe Davis is going to be doing Game Four of the American League Championship Series. 
I'll tell you, and I know football is king, and I know the NBA is 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 certainly nipping at the heels of the National Football League in terms of popularity, and we discuss it all the time here on CBS Sports Radio and the association and everyone loving the personalities and how interactive their stars are on social media does play, and you know the you get into the great debates of who's greater than who, but I mean it makes baseball look so bad. The yeah. fact that you have Joe Buck who's doing, who's your, you know, obviously the the voice of Fox Sports. Uh, he clearly is. Um, and, he, you know, Mr. Baseball, Mr. Football. The fact that he is leaving game four of a championship series in the postseason. Well, and it would have been game five. Well, right. It could have been a clincher. Correct. No doubt I about mean, it. I mean, obviously, it could have been as well. Well, it could have, right. Technically. But, right. But game four, game five, regard, leaving a playoff game. In Major League Baseball, the championship series, game one, game two, game four, game five, it doesn't. But you put it to go do a regular season Thursday night football game. I think it, it makes baseball look awful. Yeah. I mean, it, it really does. And I and I get the NFL is a you know superior popularity. I get in terms of the the ratings and people watching, and I understand that. I, I get all that. But I mean, you cannot have a guy, you know, the the voice of baseball for Fox leaving the American League Championship Series to go do a regular season football game. You want to tell me it's a playoff football game? That's one thing. You want to tell me it's a Super Bowl? That's another. Uh, you want to? You're talking about Thursday night, which is a god awful product to begin with. But you have Joe Buck leaving, going to do a regular season Thursday night football game, and Joe Davis, who's doing Game Four of the American League Championship Series. That makes that makes baseball look small. And I don't remember it happening last year. And my only memory is, I guess, when CBS had Thursday night and and Buck would miss a Sunday Fox game, I remember Thom Brenneman stepping in with Aikman and taking over that number one spot for football on a Sunday. But I don't remember last year him leaving the World Series either. to go do Thursday night football. Well, I, mean, I, mean, you can, I mean, he can't be. I mean, you know, we get to a scenario that would be Tuesday, Wednesday. He'd be off on Thursday. So the World World Series is this year. I mean, be, I'm sorry. He, I don't remember him leaving the LCS last no, year. No, I don't remember that I don't either. remember him choosing football no, I don't over remember, baseball. I, I don't remember that either. Because we would have had this conversation then. And when someone said it this week, I thought they were mistaken that he would be stepping away to go back to football. But, I, I, but I mean, I, I know I why the NFL that. wants him there. Well, but I'm I, with you, well, it looks course. terrible for baseball. Well, it looks awful for baseball. Does it not? I mean, how I can, like Joe Davis, by the way. No, no, I'm not, it has nothing to do with Joe Davis. Right. I'm not saying that he doesn't do a good job or that he's not a good announcer. I'm not. It's not a knock on Joe Davis. That's not. The, that's not my point. My point being is that if I settle into a baseball series and one guy's doing it, then all of a sudden he's leaving what is a playoff series. What guys work their rear end off. 162 games in the regular season to go do a Thursday night regular season football game. Mind you, what are we, at week seven? I mean, this, this isn't even week 15. I right. mean, we're not talking about it where, you know, you're looking or at week we're going, one. We're going through playoff machinations. Yeah. I mean, we're not doing any of that yet. I mean, we're at week seven. We're not even at the halfway point of the NFL regular season, and you're taking him off the baseball game for him to go do football. Yeah, it doesn't I – mean, it, um, it just baseball – the stepchild in this relationship. Well, I mean, but, I mean, I'm I'm trying to think about the rationalization, right? So, I mean, obviously, it's Buck and Aikman, Aikman and Buck, and right. they're the voice of of Fox football and and whatever. So, does it come into the factor as well as that the number two guy in Burkhart is also the studio guy for baseball? 
I mean, to where then you could have taken Burkhart. No, off. I don't think it's a simple logistics. I just think it's the NFL's. Like, I mean, they, this has been their stance all along. They made CBS use Nance and Romo. I think. Sure. I'm trying to remember what was that. There was an Al Michaels fight too. I thought where they were like, no, Al has to. Was it th- was it maybe the Thanksgiving night game? They've told NBC right. they had to use Al Michaels, and my guess is now they said no, absolutely not. Joe's got to do Thursday night games. Yeah, it's and, that simple. Well, I know, and I get it. I get it. It just looks make it makes baseball look awful. Yeah, it makes baseball look awful Terrible. because when you were watching, when you know, when I think about watching a playoff series in Major League Baseball, you kind of settle in with the announcers as well because you're kind of going on that journey with those guys too, right? And listen, I, I, I made no bones. I mean, it's not like the announcers define the games for me, and I need to hear Joe Buck, and I need to hear. I think Smoltz gives you some interesting, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'll be, I'll be fine watching the game tonight. No, it's but, just the, it's the but, point of it. Well, my point being is that you're there. It's the familiarity of the voices when you're watching a baseball game, which could be lengthy in process, but they're going through it as it is to now throw in a different voice that hasn't been there for the first three games of the series, and he's parachuting in for game four. And then all of a sudden, you're back to Joe Buck on Friday night for game five of the championship series. It's just a strange scenario, and it doesn't make Manfred and baseball look good. No, not even a little bit. I, I, you know, now that it's going through my head, I feel like last year the schedule lined up where he did like an insane like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday baseball games, Thursday football, and then he was back on baseball Friday, Saturday, and might have done a football game Sunday. He's had he definitely has a stretch where he's done something like that, but he's always been at baseball and football. Now, do we know Sunday night though? He'll be he'll be doing the baseball, right? That's my guess because sometimes be. there isn't a number one broadcast on Fox on Sunday after a Thursday. Right. So yes, he will be doing the game on Sunday night. But tonight, you got Joe Davis and the great John Smoltz. They'll be taking you through Game Four of the ALCS Yankee Strohs as you've got Granky. And Masahiro Tanaka on the mound for the Astros and the Yankees, respectively, in the Bronx. First pitch, 8.08. Terrible look for Major League Baseball with Buck going to uh, to do the regular season football game. Want to hear from you. You agree? You disagree? 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. Or you think, well, you know, listen, football is God. So, yes, Joe Buck's going to do football. Who the hell cares about Major League Baseball? Want to hear from you. It's Taz and the Moose. Bo Gish is in the house on a Thursday morning. CBS Sports Radio. Give Taz and the Moose a call. 855-212-4CBS. That's 855-212-4227. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. All right, CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line of 855-212-4227 is brought to you by Geico. Great news, quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. Bogus sitting in with me. Taz is off here on this Thursday morning. He's also got updates for us, everything that's going on. What's going on this Thursday morning, Andrew? Moose, where to begin without playoff baseball Mm. last night? How about some overtime? Preseason NBA? Oh, wait. First, it's overtime hockey. The Penguins and the Avalanche in Pittsburgh. Here's Tanev back with Lafferty. They come two on two. Tanev still with a crisscrossing, moving in, shooting, scoring! Brandon Tanev will get the game winner in overtime! And ladies and gentlemen, Elvis 
has just left the building. The one and only Mike Lang on Penguins Radio. Brandon Tanev, just the second shorthanded OT winner in team history. Mario Lemieux has the other one. This one got the Pens a 3-2 victory. First loss of the season for the Avalanche. The Capitals got their first home win of the young season, 4-3 over the Maple Leafs. And the Oilers smacked the Flyers 6-3, a goal and four assists for Connor McDavid. Now NBA preseason action. Anthony Davis, 8 points, 10 boards. The Lakers beat the Warriors 123-96. Davis got clearance earlier in the day to play after spraining his right thumb last week in China. And speaking of that debacle, the Nets practiced yesterday for the first time since coming home. Kyrie Irving chose not to speak with reporters at all, totally avoiding any questions about Daryl Morey and Hong Kong. As we were just discussing, Joe Buck has you covered as the Broncos. Nothing to see here. Let's move on. Moving on. Uh, Broncos and Chiefs on Thursday night football. KC arriving in the Mile High City on a two-game skid. Both those losses at home, but they have won the last seven meetings with Denver. New Rams cornerback Jalen Ramsey was to take his physical last night. His new team not committing just yet to Ramsey playing on Sunday, but head coach Sean McVay said that is the plan. Meanwhile, running back Todd Gurley practiced yesterday after missing Sunday's loss to the Niners with a thigh bruise. The Raiders have signed tight end Darren Waller to an extension, multi-year, roughly $9 million annually. Waller would have been a restricted free agent they after love him. this season. Uh, he's played as great. Hard knocks, too. That's, he's maybe the breakout star of hard knocks. Oh, no doubt. But he, And he is like a physical free. I, it's amazing how he's with the Ravens. He was with the, you know, it's he's had like, some issues, and, and he's straightened sure. them out, apparently. No, and, I, and I get that. But, I mean, he is uh, he's certainly a guy for his size, athleticism. Um, you know, Gruden's talked him up. You mentioned in terms of hard knocks which I didn't think was particularly good this year. But you're right. He was one of the guys that was kind of a breakout star of it. Gruden loves him and loves uh, what he could do at the tight end position. I think that's a smart sign because I think Waller's going to be an asset for that offense for years to come. Uh, And there is one less mediocre quarterback to be called in for workouts when your team needs help at that position. Brock Osweiler, 28 years old, retiring yesterday. Ends up with seven seasons, started a few games last year for the Dolphins. But now he is done. And, yes, game four of the ALCS. How much did Osweiler make in his career? Um, Does Osweiler have to work? I'd say no. I would hope not. I'd say Brock Osweiler, if you had a venture, I guess, how much, you know, we, he's not a very good quarterback. No. We know. And I don't Flashed think he ever a little s- bit with the Broncos, then was a huge disaster when he was given the starting jab. Right. Had that one, the one run was the Super Bowl year where he kept them afloat even you know more than that and got them the number one C and then Peyton came back. I'd say he's made, if I had to guess, just rough guess. What would you think? Or above or, or below twenty million? Um, I'm actually his numbers are in front of me right now. Well, I'm trying to get to it. Now, I'm going to go with below twenty million. You're going to go. You know that you have that right in front of you. I don't have it yet. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll go above twenty million. Oh no, you know what? He got. A huge, yeah. I didn't think he got huge money. Yes, he, he did got, from the Texans. Yes, he did. Right. He made thirty six million dollars over twenty sixteen and seventeen. So for his career, on paper, he earned forty one point three million dollars. Think about that. Here's Brock, some, Brock Osweiler. Yes, Mike. I was going to say some fun stats per win. That's two point seven six million dollars for Brock Osweiler. Like, think about that, Brock Osweiler. Who will be basically? You'll be at a bar in twenty years, trying to think about who was that. You know, who was that tall quarterback for the Broncos that that Manning replaced? You know, yeah. You'll have a you'll have a basically a, a dastardly time trying to remember his name. 
he made well over $40 million in seven years in the National Football League. It was going back for more. Yeah. <laughs> $1.4 million per start for Brock Osweiler. $1.4 million per start. Think about that. He got a $12 million check. Right. Brock Osweiler retired and went to Cabo. Forever. For Right. He doesn't have to worry about anything the he's rest making, of his life. He's making shrimp tacos and teaching you how to surf now. Plus, uh, how old is Osweiler? 28. 28 years. He's 28 years old. He is 28 years old. He is a good financial planner. He can basically relax the rest of his life. I forgot how the Texans basically they gave the Browns a draft yeah, pick just remember? to take him. Right. No, no, matter. I just I was not the first thing that went through my head when I saw him retiring yesterday. No, I, I understand. But, but the Browns just that. paid him for twenty seventeen. Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. Right. They they couldn't wait to get rid of him. The Browns remember took the draft. How many draft picks did they get? Just the second rounder. I think that's right. A second-round draft choice, right? And just Oswald, to hold him. Just to take him for a year, to have him <laughs> sit there and then put his, his money on their books. Amazing. Good for Brock. So, but he's called it a career. Yeah, for now. I mean, I, why would you even retire at 28? Like, just sit there. Someone's going to call you and ask you to come in for a workout. Well, he's got to mentally transition. You could be on that circuit with, like, Brandon Whedon, and there's just a handful of guys that just make the rounds. Colt McCoy? Well, he's got a team now. Well, I understand. The guys that are unemployed that bounce around. Oh, my backup's hurt. Who no, I, you but know. guys that just hang around the league. He, he, you're right. I mean, but I, I think the I think Osweiler got so bad at the quarterback position <laughs> that he can't even hang around the league. I mean, league. do you think these other guys are good? Do I'm you, not saying they're good, but that better? just shows you how. No, no, I'm not saying it's good, but Osweiler must not add all that much either. Yeah. Like, those guys, maybe they add something to the quarterback's room. Yeah. Osweiler must give you, like, next to nothing. He's got no jokes. He might nothing. Like, he must walk in the room and he's got, no like, no, you know, no thought process on the game plan or what he's watching <laughs> on game film. He's hey, probably watching, you know, a Netflix show as the quarterback's room is going on. <laughs> you know, they're asking, hey, Brock, he's like, who are we playing this week? <laughs> Yeah, he must have. Should I bring really, my helmet? He must have, nah. because you think about it. He's made enough starts to be one of those guys that hang around at like one point five, two million dollars, yeah. and you know he could probably add another twenty million dollars onto that hole until he's you know. But he's had a he's had a hard time hanging. He must he must not add all that much to that quarterback room, right? And he's he's asking out of this scenario, right? I'm moving on to what? Spending my cash. That's exactly Being right. Brock Brocko. Uh, what? Yes. yes. Uh, game four, ALCS is now tonight. It's it uh, 808. If you're listening in New York and you still don't know, if you had a ticket for last night, you have a ticket for tonight. If you had a ticket originally for tonight, now it's for tomorrow. Well you're done. Welcome. Just in case you're in the tri state area, you're yeah, going to listening the game, on radio.com. You're a little confused in where exactly, where, what game you could show up with your ticket with. Because uh, people are going to show up nice tonight. Breaking it down. And they're going to be confused. There's right. going to be a couple people who are supposed to have waited till tomorrow. Who show up tonight and can't get in. Just on a side note here, which is, are you a memorabilia guy? Um, I'd rather, not really, no. You don't have any autographs? Uh, no, I'd rather have, uh, I have things that for me I've kept. Like I've kept like my, uh, like a press pass from an important game I was at. Or a, like I was at a Super Bowl, I have that press pass. Like that kind of stuff. But I don't have um, anything really from like a player. You don't have nothing team. at all? No, nothing that I like. Value that is prominently displayed in my house. Uh, Basically, you have any kind of memorabilia? Any net stuff? I have like a Vince Carter signed jersey. Of course you do. Uh, that was given to me. Uh, but that's really it. Yeah, more on the bogus line. But I also, I also, I also have a Cal Ripken signed autograph. My dad got it at a Chicago Bulls game that he saw him. So nice. that's cool. 
Bilotti? Yeah, I have some autographs at home, yeah. Like, what's the... Some baseball, uh, some Mets stuff. Some wrestling. Um, you know, sign, sign, pictures, balls. Oh, nice, yeah. Jake so, I mean, snake, yeah. I mean, boots. I have... Uh, I got a couple of things. I got like, and I used to be more into it. My uncle and uh, my cousin, my dad, when I was growing up, more into it. I've got some good, you know, some you know, really uh, quality, um, you know, cards that are worth some money. Some autographs. I've got a King Griffey Jr. autograph bat, uh, stuff like that. Uh, when my dad and I went, we went to our first Kentucky Derby. Went to Louisville Slugger Plant, um, and I got a mock Babe Ruth bat. Nice. That hangs on my son's wall right below the Ken Griffey Jr. bat, uh, Jackson's wall, right right above his bed. So, I mean, I've got that kind of stuff. And I speak of Babe Ruth because Babe Ruth's 500th home run bat is coming up for auction. Mm-hmm. Valued at, it's supposedly valued at a million dollars. It should at auction get around a million dollars. The interesting thing to the story, though, is not the value because you would say the, the bat that Babe Ruth used at his 500th home run you know, given, you know, how people are kind of like nerdy and that's got great value. There's no doubt about it. I would, I would have thought it would have been worth more than just a million dollars. I would have thought it would have been worth like two, three, four, five million dollars, especially with the fact that, you know, that, you know, record is, is not PED induced unless you're talking about hot dogs and alcohol. Uh, so, uh, but he was swinging like a 38, 38 bat, which is like a swinging a tree. Oh, right. If, and I've got the mock Louisville slugger at home yeah. of his bat. And it's the exact dimensions that Babe Ruth used. It is like basically swimming, swinging a log. <laughs> right. It really is. I mean, it's a huge bat, but the interesting story to this is, so how did this bat come into the possession of Terry Rice? So Terry Rice's father in the, mid, in, uh, in the 40s um, was a friend of Babe Ruth. He was a lawyer in Suffern, New York, in Rockland County, just north of New York City. And him and Babe Ruth used to go out and play golf together and bowl together. And Babe Ruth used to come over to their house and everything like that and have dinner and befriended his wife and stuff like that. Babe Ruth, as a gift to Terry Rice, gave him his 500th home run bat, Right. Gave uh, gave Jim Rice, I should say, the 500 home run bat. Terry Rice is Jim Rice's, and I'm not talking about the Red Sox slugger, mm. is Jim Rice's only son. When they were growing up, where was think about this for a second now. Where was Babe Ruth's 500th home run bat lying in that house? It was behind the television set in the living room, angled up against the wall. Okay. Just sitting there. Just sitting there. No one ever, no one was never told not to touch it. No one was never told not to hit, not to play with it. No one was ever told anything. Think about that for a second. You're looking at a bat that's about to go to auction for a million dollars, right? I yell at my kids when they go out there and touch a picture frame, uh, and and that has a value of basically you know seven ninety nine from yeah. your local store. Think about that. You are Terry Rice, the son of Jim Rice, a lawyer in Suffern, New York, who was friends with Babe Ruth before he died. That he used to play golf and bowl together with. Who Babe Ruth decided on his own to give you the bat that he hit his 500th home run with. And what did you do with that bat? Where was that bat in that house? It was not a vault. It was not protected. (laughs) It was standing up against the wall behind the television set in the family room as you guys watch TV during the course of your young life. This is reminding me of something. That is insane. Fairly recently. Like if I ever had that kind of a bat. That my kids would never be around it. No, it'd be in a safe box somewhere. Yes, they would never be around it. And that was basically in the living room. People would be walking in. Hey, what's that? Oh, it's the bat that Babe Ruth hit his 500th home run with. Oh, it's a nice momentum. What's for dinner? Yeah. 
Um, oh, there's a mosquito. Can you get that? Yeah, let's grab this bat real quick and smash it against the wall. I, I feel like this is this has happened before with Babe Ruth stuff. Like there was an auction of multiple items that was like just in someone's house in Connecticut. Like not in the same way. Like not kept correctly or safely or securely. It's like we just had it, and you know, and there was another another connection. Like this woman's dad was something and had it, and it was just there. And they didn't know what to do with it. And they're like, all of a sudden, like, let's not, let's just do an auction. And it was just like, for, for fun, they just had Babe Ruth stuff. Or maybe Lou Gehrig. I mean, it was somebody of prominence in baseball. And it was just like in their house. Like they got a room of stuff of crap. And there's and a lot like, of important hey, there's an autograph Babe Ruth. In there. There's an autograph baseball yeah. by Babe Ruth. I mean, nice. I think it's crazy. As Terry Rice said, it was always there. It was just a part of life. No one said I couldn't touch it. I never took it out and played baseball with it. Well, I hope not. <laughs> Even if you did, I don't think it would have factored in. Did they not see the Sandlot and Baby Ruth That's and exactly the right. point of having – come on now. Uh, and if you're – and listen, if you're Brock Osweiler, you could spend your million dollars, your $41 mm. million, take a million of it and go buy Baby Ruth's 500th home run bat. That's a worthwhile investment right there. <laughs> 855-212-4CBS. That is your number to call. It's Taz of the Moose. Bogus is in the house. We'll come back. We'll mix a little football into the conversation. Joe Madden's back in Major League Baseball as he's now the manager of the Angels signed a three-year deal worth between $12 and $15 million. We'll get into that as the morning rolls along. Ryan Wilson from CBS Sports will join us second hour. David Deal, uh, Super Bowl champion with the Giants, will join us uh, the top of hour number three. It's a big Thursday morning right here, CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. It's Taz and the Moose on CBS Sports Radio. All right, Sunday, the NFL on CBS is at Lambeau Field with the Packers host of the Raiders, plus a key AFC South clash between the uh, between Houston and Indianapolis. It all begins with JB and the guys getting you ready for all the action on the NFL today at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, only on CBS. Jalen Ramsey, he is back in the fold, no longer a Jaguar, now a Los Angeles Ram. And amazingly enough, he's no longer on the injury report. I mean, he's off that injury report, was back at practice earlier this week for Jacksonville uh, before he got traded to the Rams. Two first-rounders and a fourth-rounder in 2021 going uh, to Jacksonville from Los Angeles as the Rams had a physically gifted corner in Ramsey as they're going for it this year, trying to get themselves back to the Super Bowl and this time win it. Here is Ramsey uh, talking about uh, landing out in Los Angeles. Take a listen. I'm here, and I'm excited to be here, and I'm going to make the best out of it, and I'm going to be the best teammate and player that I can be on this team for this team. So uh, I hope so. How about a long-term deal, Jalen? I'm not really worried about it, to be honest. I, I've kind of said that a lot, but I, I don't think people really believe me. But uh, I really i am not worried about it. It'll happen in due time. Um, I have full confidence in myself and my abilities, and I think I'll continue being the best corner in the league for years and years and years to come. Well, he's not this year. I mean, that belongs uh, up in Foxborough. But um, how about his personality mixing in and out in Los Angeles? I think for the most part, a lot of people know who I am as a player on the field. Not a lot of people know who I am off the field. But uh, over, you know, me being here and my career being here, uh, y'all learn who I am more and, you know, kind of learn my personality a little bit and see the, guy I, see the guy I am. But, yeah, I'm very confident. I love the game of football. I love to have fun. Yeah, and how about Sean McVay, uh, obviously the dynamic young coach out in Los Angeles who's brought about a, a lot of success and turned around the career 
of his quarterback, Jared Goff. He's talking about uh, Ramsey, any kind of character concerns. I think you want guys with some swag, some personality, different things like that. Uh, and as long as those guys love football, they love competing every single day, I think usually uh, this is a building that, that I think will suit him well. And, you know, we always do our due diligence in terms of the people that we value and trust that have been around him. And those are the things that have been consistent with what we've heard. You get a good, you get really good reviews back on him. We've got a couple guys on this team that have played with him that speak very highly of him. So when you do all those things, um, I think you feel confident to be able to make decisions that you know are really from educated opinions as opposed to sometimes what the perception can be where they really know the human being day in and day out. Yeah, Fowler, Bortles, a couple of Jaguars that are now a member, obviously, uh, of the Los Angeles Rams and, and playing or sitting on the bench if you're uh, Blake Bortles uh, for head coach Sean McVay. Uh, I think it's a, I think you, and we broke down the deal a little bit, and it does not bother me that Ramsey got his way or that Ramsey forced his way out of Jacksonville. As he said, it, he felt disrespected. He no longer wanted to play. He found a, you know, loophole, you know, the the back injury, the severity of which, and, and I, I see NFL, former NFL players, you know, reacting on social media in terms of, oh, look how he's over that back injury, you know, sarcastically enough. Um, and he's ready to play for the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, he didn't want to play for the Jaguars, and he made it perfectly clear. And the Jaguars kind of put their feet in the sand saying that they wanted they had no intention of trading Jalen Ramsey because at that time they weren't getting what they were looking back in return. How many times do you have to hear the you know the owner of the Jaguars, Shad Khan, saying he wanted Ramsey part of that team long-term? He didn't want to be there long-term. So the rubber had to meet the road at some point in time, and it did this week um, as you know Ramsey finally returned to practice He's now a member of the Los Angeles Rams. And, you know, I think from a Jaguar perspective, listen, they get rid of a headache. They lose a talented player. They don't have to answer questions about Jalen Ramsey any longer. I'm not going to tell you they're a better football team because you can't tell me you take a player of the talent of Ramsey off your team and say, I'm a better team losing Jalen Ramsey. But long term, if, if they're able to take advantage of those draft choices, you know, two number ones and a four, even though they'll probably at that stage and. You know, listen, by 2021, who knows? I mean, that Ram pick, I mean, as they are all in on, you know, 19 and 20. By 2021, you know, the boom, balloon might burst on the Los Angeles Rams at some point in time with all their goes guys paying. But if they're able to cash in on those picks, I mean, it'll work out for Jacksonville, but they have to do something with those picks. Yeah, I mean, and maybe they become a package for some a player Good or point. a higher pick. I mean, that might be where their real value is because they, they are probably going to be in the back half of the first round, if not even closer to the second round. Um but yeah, I mean, you're right, and they certainly they're they're not better on paper minus him. The benefit is if the distractions were real, and I don't, you know, I to a certain extent, players are really good about blocking things out, but they also can get annoyed certain times, and they simply flat out missed him on the field in games. Now that's just gone. Now they can move forward. Now we maybe focus even that much more attention on whether Gardner Minshew is legit or not, and Nick Foles is looming down the road for them to come back. Uh, and they step back into a division that is that is competitive and and winnable uh, in particular for them, and they move on, and the Rams move on. I mean, that's you know, and they are the lead kind of story in this because they've lost three in a row. They have been exposed in the last couple of losses for for their deficiencies all across the board on offense and on defense. And they, he, I assume, he's going to play this weekend. They wouldn't go all in on confirming that is. yesterday, but I, but I mean, they almost he almost has to play because I would imagine, yes. they traded Marcus Peters. They don't have a keep to leave. He's on IR. They got guys I never heard of before playing cornerback. If Jalen Ramsey can't go on Sunday, no, I would imagine he played. But I'll tell you this: you know, the Rams better be careful here, Andrew, because they better win. 
Um, and I'm not talking about regular season wins. I'm not even talking about this week against Atlanta. Uh, I'm talking about getting themselves to a Super Bowl, back yeah. to the Super Bowl and win it because they're all in. I mean, they paid Gurley. They paid Goff. Uh, they played Aaron Donald. They paid Fowler. Well, and they've, uh, and they've paid to get a lot of those guys, and, too. And Some no of those doubt. guys are not homegrown and, Rams. You know, you're going to pay Jalen. You can't pay them all and not expect to get hurt someplace. Now, they're not going to have to invest in first-round picks for the next five years. Uh, but, uh, you know, they are heavily invested that this is the squad to, to get them and put them where they want and bring that Vince Lombardi trophy back to Los Angeles. They better do it because if they don't, I mean, you could be heading into the abyss for the Rams for a while. It made, it made me laugh hearing it again just now, and I, I laughed initially yesterday too when he said, "Well, I, you know, I'm I'm not worried about my long term deal. Well, of course not, because someone's going to pay you. Yeah, That's he's going to get paid. You're going to get paid by somebody somewhere, whether it's there or a place that you would prefer. You're going to get your money. They're the ones worried about having to get this done because they they got to get it done. Um, you, you can't trade two first round picks. I well, I said you could." But it really would make much more sense and make this much more palatable if they get this locked up, done soon. I would hope they would know that they could get it to happen before they pull the trigger on this Here's deal Here's the Tuesday. only way that would, if they won a Super Bowl this year. And then he left. Yeah. Uh, you know, then you could deal with it. You wouldn't like it, but you could deal with it. If they don't win the Super Bowl and he leaves, you got to sign him long term. I don't disagree with you. Come back. Roger Goodell chats about a 17-game regular season. That's next. CBS Sports Radio. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 